Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. So, Adam, we continue to get flack. From the casuals of the show. Listen, we're casuals for casuals by casuals. (laughs) But the even more casual people who don't know the walk-off inside and out and don't understand the little game we've been playing the last month where we go onto YouTube and take a clickbaity title from one of our competing podcasts and then just use that clickbait title in ours. (laughs) But it is infuriating (laughs) some people, dude. (laughs) I don't know if you saw the comment section from the the, uh, mailbag on Tuesday, but there's one where the guy was just like, this is all fake news. Obviously, he didn't listen to any of the, he just saw the title and was like, this is infuriating to me. I'm going to leave a comment. He's like, this is all fake news. Have a great life, guys. I'm not <laughs> listening again. And I just uh, responded with, well, this changes everything. So <laughs> Amazing. Uh, by Amazing. the way, if that is annoying you, I get it. Because it annoys Adam and I, too. But we're not going to stop doing it. Because you know what has happened since we've started doing this stupid little uh, game of ours? Uh, hmm. Our numbers have, like gone up two and a half times and that's on you (laughs) we thank you but also if you're going to complain about clickbait titles you my friend should stop clicking on clickbait titles it's november 23rd and let me tell you if you're seeing titles that say this will shatter your baseball world (laughs) and you haven't heard anything I guarantee they're just trying to get you to click. <laughs> and it worked. And, and it worked. worked because we all want to know what will shatter our baseball world. So I'm I'm guilty myself. I'll even see titles from competing podcasts, Adam, where I am so curious where they go with it that I have to click. Because I'm like, well, there's obviously Atkins didn't speak. I'm not going to be shocked at what. <laughs> Shapiro's doing next but I want to see what the spin is here (laughs) that is true that is true I want to see how this is being spun yeah see it it's look it's the Black Friday sales Mm -hmm. of of marketing right is the we've jacked these prices up so that we could slash them 30 percent now come buy this thing you don't need Exactly. But you can't resist you'll never it. Have, you can't resist. You'll never save more money than right now. <laughs> of course, I need a AirPods cover case that is magnetic because it's nine dollars. Why am I not buying this right now? Now to the grounds crew who is also in on this little joke. Uh, of course, we appreciate you just following along and joining us. Anyways, you've been here right from the start. So uh, a big tip of the hat to the walk-off community. We do really appreciate you. This is the walk-off. I'm Scott Belford joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. And we did manage to get a show together for today. And let me tell you, my friends, it was not the easiest thing to do. There is going to be some speculation because what the hell else are we supposed to talk about right now? Oh, here's what we're going to talk about. Hats, Blue Jays hats. We were talking about the color of your hat yes. before we went live yes. on the Patreon, by the way. Of 
course, that was the best part of our, our Patreon discussion uh, pre-show. I was at the shopping mall with my boss slash wife yesterday, and I <laughs> saw a sweet new Blue Jays hat that I really want to put at the top of my Christmas wish list. It was, does the Blue Jay mascot have a, a name? Ace. Ace? Okay. That is right. I've heard that before. Never talked to him, so I don't know. It was a, okay, first of all, uh, a color that can only be described by me as walk-off white. You know, that dirty white that we love to use, right? Yes, we do. It was corduroy, all over corduroy, and the the logo on the front of it was Ace making a Kevin Pillar diving catch. Like, buddy. How this do you get better than that? Out of Mac. This screams Great. out of Mac. I haven't even seen it. The corduroy itself. I'm a bit of a corduroy hound myself. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. If we weeded out the casuals enough yet, can we start talking? Yeah, ball? I, th- I think we can get into what we're okay. going to talk about here. Right. So I did see a really interesting stat on Davis Babe Schneider. And of course, we've talked a little bit about Schneider over the last few episodes and where he fits into the Blue Jays future. Uh, We will dive into that. So a fun little stat on the babe. We are going to talk. So I got uh, a message from Deb, one of our Patreon members, and she mentioned that she doesn't remember if we did a three studs and a dud uh, to wrap up the whole season. We did not. And I I, I don't recall us doing that. So what we're going to do, screw doing a dud. Listen. If you need a dud, I think it's pretty safe to put it on the front office and the coaching staff. Uh, lack of communication throughout the organization, it seemed to be the Achilles heel of this 2023 Blue Jays team. So we'll just don that that dud title to the whole front office and coaching staff, and we'll just move on from there. But I figured it would be fun for us to to look back on 2023. Uh, each of us name our, our top three players of the season and Mm -hmm. then we'll predict who we consider uh to be the top three players in 2024 going forward Juan Soto I mean he is without a doubt the best fit for this Toronto Blue Jays team outside of Shohei Otani but that's kind of a ridiculous thing to say because the truth is a power hitting lefty bat with one of the best eyes in baseball is going to be a great fit on 30 organizations around the league. So we are going to take a look at Juan Soto and what a deal with the Jays might look like. Again, all speculation. We don't know shit, but a little game we play well. There's nothing to really talk about. Uh, John Gibbons, Gibby, former Blue Jays manager. Of course, he was the guy at the helm of the ship. The last time the Blue Jays went to the American League Championship Series in 2015 and 2016, friend of the show. If you haven't seen the John Gibbons interview with us on the walk-off, check it out. Because honestly, it's pretty evergreen. He really gets into kind of like the stories of being a manager and his stories in baseball. And it's just a fun listen, especially during the offseason when you're kind of looking for anything to quench that baseball thirst you have. So we'll, we'll talk John Gibby. Uh, Tyler Glass now, 
big stud ace for the Tampa Bay Rays is on his final year of control with the team. So, of course, they are looking to move him. We'll touch on that. And then finally, mac and cheese. Does it belong on the Thanksgiving dinner table? And what is Adam's favorite dish? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right, buddy. Should we get into it? I suppose David Schneider. I guess Uh might as well. Hey, David Schneider. Listen, friend of the show. This is a man who over the last two and a half years has shown the walk off just extreme generosity with his interviews and coming on. I mean, Frick, he came down to the live show after playing an afternoon Major League Baseball game and chatted with Blue Jays fans and chatted with the panel. It was just really cool to see. Uh, And he had a hell of a a start to his baseball career, right? So in 116 ABs, he had 32 hits, he hit eight dingers, and he finished 2023 with a 1.8 wins above replacement, just under what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. provided with 2.1 wins above replacement. I mean, the fact that Davis Schneider came in when he did and provided the power he did to a lineup that just wasn't hitting dingers provided a lifeline to a team that seemed to be sinking at the time. I mean, that Boston series historic. Yep. The first, the first 25 games of his career historic. It's insane what he did. And as if that's not enough, here's a stat that really stood out to me. It's the highest percentage of out of zone pitches called strikes in 2023. So these are missed calls by the umpires. When you look at their umpiring stat card, these are calls that should have been a ball. Davis Schneider leads all, All of Major League Baseball with 9.2% missed calls. So he showed some real discipline at the plate. And 10% of the time, it came back and and kicked him in the butt because the umpire was, was screwing up the call. This is one of those stats that you can kind of put into the bad luck category. Is he going to have the highest missed called? rate in baseball next year very very doubtful i mean he had the highest miscalled rate by a full percentage nick madrigal is the next closest with 8.1 cole cahoon the next with 7.8 and robbie grossman 7.5 so for the most part davis schneider dealt a pretty bad hand in comparison to the rest of major league baseball should correct itself I mean, if there's any silver lining to take out of the slump Davis Schneider had to end the season, it is that. It's that he was dealt a bad hand by the umpiring in a lot of cases, and hopefully that kind of corrects itself for next year. I think if Davis Schneider can go out there and hit, honestly, 20 to 30 home runs. Oh. Well, listen, listen. I I, I know he's not going to hit eight home runs every 116 ABs. I mean, that just works out to a a 44 home run pace, but I don't think that asking Davis Schneider to hit 20 dingers in 2024 is all that ridiculous. Sorry. How many home runs do you want Davis Schneider to hit? Davis Schneider, 20 home runs. Um, Oof. That's a big ask. I, I don't know if I could follow you there. How many, 
uh, home runs did Matt Chapman finish the season with? I don't know. 20? He finished 18? with 17 home runs. 17. Oh, so how hot. many did he start his season with? So Davis Schneider played in 35 games. How many was Matt Chapman at after 35 games? Processing. Processing. All right, we'll talk about something else with this process. Enhance. Figure out some enhance. Yeah, enhance, exactly. Yes. Let's uh, enhance the numbers here. Come on, baseball reference. You're killing me. You're making me look stupid in front of my friends. Listen, I know that David Schneider is going to be going into his sophomore season. I'm well aware of the correction that is coming his way when it comes to opposing pitching. I know darn well 35 games is about as small a sample size as you can get. And I also know that I should temper my expectations. I truly don't think expecting 130 games played and 20 dingers out of Davis Schneider is all that crazy. And I, I understand the pushback here and would love to hear from the grounds crew over under 20 home runs for Davis Schneider in 2024. What are you guys taking? And we'll 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 discuss this on the mailbag on Tuesday and kind of take the general consensus of the fan base here. I might be high, too high on Davis Schneider, and maybe Adam's too low, and maybe it's somewhere in the middle here. Go ahead, Adam. I know you found what you wanted to bring up. Well, I had to manually count the numbers myself because thank God I have the skill set for that. It was five home runs for Matt Chapman in his first 35 games of the season. So through May 9th, Matt Chapman had a batting average of 349, an OPS mm -hmm. of 1033, and five home runs. Tell me how the rest of his season went. I mean, this is the. No, it's true. I mean, <sighs> completely. I mean, it's it's. It's a comparison you shouldn't even make. They're two different people, but. I get what uh, I get your point. I do get I do get what you're saying here, Adam, and I'm not even pushing back against it. David Schneider could just disappear. That's not it's not impossible. He had such a hot start, was never a highly ranked prospect, but I think he has it, man. I, I think we're going to see him stick playing some shorts or uh, shorts top, playing some second base. I think we're going to see him in left field. I think we're going to see him being given an opportunity after what he did last year to, to play some everyday minutes, right? Get out there almost every day and be given an opportunity until he proves he you shouldn't be given that opportunity anymore. Um, yeah, I'm so torn on, on David Schneider. I really want to root for the guy. Obviously love him. Friend of the show. Yeah. Great, great dude. But, uh, I was watching, oh, this is a stupid YouTube video on like one of the greatest recreational three-point shooters in basketball history who just like won yeah. every one of these things and then but he like he's never an NBA player yeah and there was a quote in this video I can't think of the oh I wish I knew this guy's name um 
but this was someone who averaged like six minutes a game for the course of his career was like the third last person drafted and averaged like one and a half points a game in the NBA. But his quote after obviously getting like trolled uh, online about how much he sucks was I'm closer to LeBron than you are to me. Right. And it's just so true. Right. Like just the guys that are like, like we can all like shit on Matt Chapman, but he is so good at hitting. And even like when he's bad and just to say that like David Schneider can hit 20 home runs or like love the hot start that he got off to, to his career. Mm -hmm. But the Mm -hmm. chances that he is going to be, and again, this is not even anything against David Schneider. This goes for every prospect who ever gets called up. The chances of them working out. Yeah. is so infinitesimally small. Mm -hmm. I'm just playing those odds and it's, it's not a personal strike on David Schneider at all. It's just like, this isn't a highly drafted prospect with the pedigree of of Vlad Jr. that we're talking about, right? Like this is a guy mm-hmm. who grinded and could totally very well be because there's also loads of those guys who work their butts off and become something. That that is a possibility, but I just think more likely. Okay, what was your over under on David Schneider next year? Over under 20 home runs. Okay. I'm going I'm to taking ma- the over. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to bet on our boy Davis. I'm going to take the under, and then I'm going to follow you up with a over-under of my own. Okay. And we want everybody to weigh in on this for the upcoming mailbag on Tuesday. Over-under, David Schneider, 93 games played next season, which is the number of games Santiago Espinal played last season. This is an interesting over under, and I really do like it. I'm taking the over because if I'm going to take it's the, the only over way he's on getting 20, the 20 home runs, overs. It's exactly, pretty much. So, <laughs> and I will be honest here, Adam. If Davis Schneider was a New York Met, and I was just watching his historic run without any attachment, right? Completely unbiased, mm-hmm. I would be where you are. I'm betting on Davis because I think he's a great guy. I like the baseball brain on the dude. And I think that he really could break as that outside of the box prospect that actually sticks. Again, I hope you're right. If I had, if I was completely unbiased, like again, if he wasn't a Toronto blue Jay, I would be betting against him. I absolutely would because it's just more likely. You summed it up really well. Prospects, don't work out far more often than they work out, even with a hot start. Um. By the way, Brian Scalabrini is the basketball player with the quote, I'm closer to LeBron than you are to me. So anybody that was worried about who's the guy that said it, it was Brian Scalabrini. So there you go. I Googled it. We got there. Drop your comments too. Over, under, 20 home runs. Over under 93 games. Davis Schneider, where is everyone in Blue Jays land on the babe? We'll move on from there. We're going to get into our top three Blue Jays from 2023. 
and who we can see being those top three Blue Jays in 2024. Um, do you wish to take the lead here, Adam, or would you like me to start? I'm I'm guessing we probably have one or two that are the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say, okay, what starts this conversation is the three studs and a dud. We are acknowledging that the front office as a whole is going to be the dud of the year. Um, my initial plans for three studs and a dud was to give a like year end awards of like, Go divvy up points. Tally up who won all the studs right. and duds. Who, yeah. who was most often a stud and and blah, blah, blah. I So I want to say I have not done that yet. So I'm going to give my three dudes here. Okay. But I'm still going to go back and tally it up for a show in December. And I'm going to, I bet you I'm going to be surprised by who it is. But uh, I would, I would say the same. I would say the same. And in fact, I the route I went, I will say right off the bat, is a bitter, jaded route that I'm trying okay. to make a point on here. So just a heads okay. up. Interesting. So I'll start with sure. who I think was the most valuable on this Toronto Blue Jays team. Uh third in Cy Young voting. I think Kevin Gosman. Mm-hmm. With a 3.16 ERA, uh, 185 innings pitched, led the American League in strikeouts with 237. And I think there's something to be said for a guy who's just a really great ambassador of their team, of their city, of the game of baseball. And that's Kevin Gosman to a T. We watched him throughout some difficult scenarios throwing his way with Anthony Bass and some of the other stuff that's gone on. He always seemed to be the guy saying the right things, reeling in everybody else. And he just seemed like a real calming guy in that dressing room, man. Like when you look at the clubhouse, Kevin Gosman just seemed like a quiet leader on that team. And I think he is a dude who, who knows where 2023 blue Jays would have been had Kevin Gosman not performed like he did. All right. Well, that's a great choice. Uh, tough to argue with Gary Gosman whispering, follow me as the quiet yes. leader. But uh, I'm going with Bo Bichette as my number one. Okay. He is an, an average defensive shortstop. Mm-hmm. He did it. He was not bad at shortstop it. this year. Um, the numbers were as good as they've ever been. Um, 300 plus batting average OPS in the 800s. The fielding was just there. Like it was just as good as it needed to be. Um, There, there are guys with better numbers than him. I think if you look at Brandon Belt, has better offensive numbers than Bo Bichette. But Bo was just, other than the couple weeks that we missed him, and I felt like, boy, did we miss him. Mm-hmm. So I never felt Almost. like, oh, we don't have Brandon Belt in the lineup today. What are we going to do? Like Brandon Belt injured his thumb. Oh, we're screwed for the next two weeks. But mm-hmm. When Boba Shett went down, it felt like yeah, that hurt. Oh, if he's not that back, hurt. like our season might be over here. 
So, I mean, let's me. face it. The Blue Jays went out and got Paul DeJong because they were panicking about yep. it. Like they were like, that's how big of a hit Bo Bichette not being there. Now I didn't put Bo Bichette in my top three, which Ooh. is, uh, listen, I knew he probably should be in there. And this is a little bit of the bitterness okay. as to why I didn't. So my number two is Chris Bassett. The, he was the big free agent mm-hmm. signing in the off season of 2023, three years, $63 million. Great he choice. was brought in because he had playoff experience and he could eat innings. And my God, did he eat innings? He 200. had a career high 200 innings pitched and he pitched it beautifully to a 3.6 ERA. Truly a savior for this Blue Jays starting rotation at times when let's say uh, whenever a guy like Gossman, right? Because Bassett pitched right after him most of the time. Mm-hmm. And whenever Gary Gossman yes. had a rare, what, a, what would you call it? A rare, because he never really had any, like he had what, two complete blowing up starts. Like he never really had a bad start. So I hate saying like after a bad start, but just after taking a loss, after Gary Gosman went out there and still took the L, Bassett really did show up start after start. And I don't think the amount of innings he pitched gets enough credit. I can't even imagine where this team would have been without him, especially after watching Alec Manoa face plant like he did it was so imperative that someone pick up the slack for Alec Manoa and Chris Bassett was that guy the hound day in and day out got in there pitched big innings and he did it very very well so he was my number two guy I like it my number two I mean you already talked about it Gary Gossman yeah what else is there to say yeah. Uh, absolute stud knew, for this team so you, you knew two. there'd be some crossovers here so my third and final performer top performer for 2023 and this is where the bitterness comes in a little bit because the biggest achilles heel of this 2023 blue jays team is that they would not score runs it was constantly all on pitching and so if it's going to constantly be all on pitching then i'm going to give all of my awards to pitching the third best blue jay in 2023 in my opinion was jose barrios who had one of the biggest bounce backs you could have possibly hoped for out of a guy of his ilk. He pitched to a 5.23 ERA in 2022. A career worst outside of his rookie season, by the way. And this is after the Blue Jays front office went and gave him a massive extension. Seven years, $131 million. And there was a little bit of panic, I think, amongst the front office. Now, I wouldn't say it was full-on losing their mind, but let's face it, that's a lot of money to give to a guy, including the two top prospects they gave in Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin, who was one and three when they moved them at the time at the deadline in 2021. Just a lot to pay. Not money, not just money-wise with the extension, but just with the, the prospect capital that could have been spent elsewhere. So there was a lot on the line. And you know who showed up? Jose Barrio showed up big time. He had career highs in numbers. He went out there and he pitched again, 189.2 innings. Just a bulk dude in a time where Alec Manoa just completely unraveled. They needed these guys to pick up those innings. And that's exactly what Jose Barrios did. So he gets my number three 
Great choice. Great choice. Um, Again, and I know Bobachet should have been in there, everybody. Like, I'm aware that this no, is a no, bitter no. take. I, I follow the logic of it's all on the pitching, so all the pitchers get it. Um, following with that, I'm going to say defense first was the strategy and where we placed the value. So I got to give it to one of our defensive studs, Whit Merrifield. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, <Yeah. laughs> this is going to be a divisive take. Dalton Varshow. Okay, interesting. I think the numbers of Dalton Varshow frustrated this team more than it should have because of how bad the offense was. Mm-hmm. He still got 20 home runs for us. Yeah. Like, the batting average, sure, it was disappointing. But, like... If you get 20 home runs out of one of the best defenders in baseball, like if Vladdy's hitting 40 again, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're not even talking. I don't think we're complaining about the offense we got from Dalton Varsho. If he's our number seven hitter hitting 220 and putting up 20 to 25 home runs and platinum glove defense in the outfield. And again, Adam, the dud. Give me that. The dud went. The dud went to the front office and to the coaching staff, right? It's not Dalton Varshow's fault that they were hitting him third in this lineup for six weeks. Right. Like, <laughs> I totally agree. Totally agree. So Dalton Varshow, um, look, is not as good uh, as Gabriel Moreno might turn out to be. I secede that possibility, Mm -hmm. but he's going to be our full-time center fielder next year. Probably 150 games in center field for Dalton Varsho next year. I'm already willing to engrave the gold glove with his name on it. Like he is as good as it gets defensively. And there were, I mean, okay. We, the number of times that I did have like almost no confidence that he was going to get a hit when he was coming to the plate was high. But I will say (laughs) I was never once worried about a mental error coming from Dalton Varsho. I was never worried about him making a base running mistake or very true throwing the ball to the wrong base. And just the stability of him is yeah, if he gives me a 220 batting average with uh 20 to 25 home runs for the next 4 years, I am okay with that. And yeah. Tough not to agree with you there, man. And I I like that outside the box pick cuz it was an outside the box pick there. Okay. He's good. Let's He's good. He's good. Let's look great great ball player. Dalton Varsha. He is. I think he is. I think the home runs are higher next year than they are this year. He had 27 his final season with uh Arizona. No reason for me to believe he can't be a 30 home run guy at some point with the Blue Jays. He's just coming into his prime now. Especially if the Jays management actually goes out there and gets a freaking cleanup hitter. Like the fact there wasn't a power bat in the middle of this lineup all year long. Like it's it still baffles me, dude. Like we're sitting here November 2023 and I'm just like, how did they go the whole season? Without a power bat. 
Okay, while we're on the topic of, of Power Bat, and this is one thing that ties into the Bobachette trade to the Cubs rumors that we heard earlier this week. I hopped on a Chicago Cubs fan live stream podcast thing. And I was surprised how like lukewarm they were on these trade rumors to get yeah. Bobachette. Um but their reason behind like why they weren't super thrilled about it was because it doesn't really solve the fact that it they also need a power bat. You know, like it Bobachette lengthens the lineup, which is nice, but they are more worried about like getting a guy that can mash in the, you know, towards the top end of their lineup. And that's not Bobachette. And I think that's a good point is that, I don't know. It's just, it was interesting to, to see someone not be super excited. I mean, they were obviously yeah, the I get thoughts it. of getting Bobachette is, is enticing. Um, but that it isn't the like obvious, uh, no pun intended, uh, home run, trade that would totally excite the fan base like it's Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know it's just just a thought it was something it was an observation i'm just sharing that well listen when you have an area of need and you're addressing it in an outside the box way where you're moving a guy from shortstop to third base and you're hoping that he does provide a little more power than he's ever shown before i mean yeah there's there's risk to that. Uh, let's move on to 2024 and who we view on this Blue Jays roster currently, this current roster that we can see having uh, a big impact. So we're each picking three guys to have big impacts in 2024. I will start with Danny Jansen. I think he stays healthy and establishes okay. himself as one of the league's top offensive catchers last year he had a career high in home runs with 17 a career high in rbis with 53 danny's problem has not been the power that he has shown especially since going into his um yeah i pull the ball that's who i am i don't care i'm gonna just pull the ball for power that's kind of been his mentality because he did go through this phase in 2021 where he really was trying to spray the ball all over the field and instead of trying to to expand his um, expand where he's hitting the ball. He decided to just play to his strength and just be a pull hitter. And it's worked really, really well for him since he has done that. Danny's problem has been staying on the field and staying healthy. In 2021, he played 70 games. In 2022, he played 72 games. In 2023, he played 86. So last year, he played 86 games. And He's only played more than half the season twice in his entire career. Last year, which was the second most games he's ever played in Major League Baseball, and he also played 107 back in 2019. So he has been injury prone. Now, that said, the injuries that he has had, they haven't really included anything that provides structural damage. You know, like he's not dealing with an ongoing shoulder problem. He's not dealing with bad knees. He's had bad luck. Now, yes, those count the same. But maybe this is the year where the baseball gods swing the other way on him. So I'm going to predict that he has a healthy season. 
I think Danny Jansen is in the lineup 130 games this year, breaking his major league career record for games played. I think he hits 25 to 30 dingers, and I think he forces this team to DH him more than they had anticipated they would by the end of the year. I love it. Uh, all I could think was next time we do something like this, we should do it draft style where we can't have overlap. Right. Did you have a Danny Jansen in your list too? Yeah, yeah I did. And yeah. I had Gary Gossman in my first list. And it's just, yeah. when you say all the fun talking points, it's boring for yeah. me to just exactly repeat you. So, um, and you're probably going to have my next guy, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, what? You do not have. You don't think a, a Vlad Junior could have a big season next year? That would be helpful I, I to do. this team. No, I All do. Right. I just, I just saw three other guys I thought would oh, be okay. big. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm taking this one because I think this one is maybe the most. And I obvious. figured you'd take Vladdy. Honestly, right. what I was like, you'll take Vladdy. So that's fair. <laughs> okay. Well, Vladdy, there you go. Uh, 26 home runs from the kid. A 264 batting average. Uh, OPS under 800. It might be the worst season. season of his career. I'm hopeful. Um, I don't know what else to say that hasn't been said uh, a thousand times by a thousand people in a thousand places, but uh, I just, I guess it's either he has a bounce back season in a positive way or he's a bust. Yeah, it's almost coming to that point. And busts is probably the wrong word. Mm -hmm. He's just a, a slightly above average player instead of the generational talent that everyone had touted him as. That's a, okay, I guess yes, define okay, bust so however bust. you want. Yes. For me, okay, yes. for Vladdy to be a Dalton Varsho level offensive talent would be a bust. Yeah, yes, obviously. Yeah, I, th I think I think he's got, he's just... I can't see it being as bad as it was this year. If it is. Okay. If it is, if he's as bad as he was last, last year, I just think that that is a sign that he can't hit major league pitching. Like I think he came up, was a superstar. I think pitchers figured him out and now he needs to make the adjustment back, right? Whatever he's struggling with, in his swing or any of it. He needs to make those adjustments. He needs to learn how to hit the pitches. He hasn't been able to hit because pitchers have figured it out what he can't mm -hmm. hit, how to avoid the bat of Vlad jr, whatever it is. And he either can make that adjustment and he will, or he doesn't because he can't, but I don't think it's going to be a lack of work ethic or effort no. on his part. So I think, He's got 300 million reasons play here to too, figure Adam. it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like this is this is the difference between a a Juan Soto potential contract and what Cody Bellinger was looking at before mm -hmm. his bounce back season. So, yeah, I think he is going to be maybe the most motivated player to quote unquote work on it this off season. And if it's still bad next year, 
that is a red flag that I can't ignore. I can't ignore. So couldn't agree more with you. And uh, sure would be huge if your prediction is correct and Vladdy doesn't even return to 2021. I would take Vladdy from 2022 happily. Give me 32 home runs and 105 sure. RBIs. I'm fine with that. I mean, we still need a power bat in the middle of this lineup, but if Vladdy can rebound a little bit, that's massive. So second player I have for a big 2024 Bo Bichette, and I could have easily put him as a top Blue Jay in 2023. He had an incredible year, 4.9 wins above replacement, a 306 batting average. He had 175 hits, and for the first time in his career, missed some real time. Uh, he played 159 games in both 2022 and 2021. He played 135 last year which is the least he's played since 2019. Look, the kid's injury prone. There's no way around it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the guy, he plays every game, and I think in 2024 we're going to see him rebound to playing right around 160 games. I also think that the Jays' front office is going to make sure that there's an actual cleanup hitter this year. I mean, the experiment failed in 2023, and if they don't correct it, that is – that's a – I mean – there's a very good argument that Ross Atkins should have already been fired, but I, my God, if he doesn't correct the fact there isn't a power hitter in the middle of this lineup for 2024, get him the F out of this organization. So I do think that is going to be the case in 2024. I think that there's going to be more, um, more protection for Boba in that two hole, which I do think is going to springboard him him to hit actually 30 home runs for the first time in his major league career. I don't think he's going to be a 40 home run hitter or anything, but I think Bo is going to hit 30 in 2024. And I think he's going to be right. a like big it. cog in the middle of this lineup as he has yeah. to be. I like it, sir. Um, This one is. Maybe I misread this, or maybe we've just organically shifted what this top three has become. But is mm -hmm. this bounce back of 2024? Or is this most improved? Or is this just who is the best? Like, because can I pick Kevin Gossman? Can I pick Gary Gossman for this list? Yeah. To just once again be an absolute stud yeah. for this team? Yeah. Okay. Gary Gossman. There you go. Pencil it in. I, I mean, I just I just chose Boba Shett. <laughs> I know, but you didn't have him in your top three. So I figured if you were kind of down on Bichette, yeah. maybe you thought, well, he's going to no, be No, again, better. I really do think Bichette is a top three from 2023. And again, I cannot stress enough how bitter I am about the offense's production. And that's why I went all pitchers. All right. Well, there you go. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Gary Gossman. Then he's my number two I on like both it. lists. That's so uh, I don't know if he's okay. going to be any better if he even could be, but another top five in Cy Young votes kind of a season from him, and that's my final pick for 2024 as a guy who's really going to be a reason why this team either makes or breaks it is George Springer. Uh, so George Springer, George Springer's 34 years old. Despite his age, he still has above average sprint speed. His bat is slowed down a little bit, but he still keeps up with all the fastballs in the league for the most part. 
I believe this will be the season George Springer reinvents himself as a power first bat. We watched Joey Votto do this at age 34. We watched Nelson Cruz do this at age 34. And it just makes sense for George to maybe sell out a little bit more on the pitches he's looking for. Take, just take it that he's going to strike out a little more than he has throughout the rest of his career. And I think this is something he just has to come to terms with. He's going to strike out a little more. And in return, hopefully he can get back to that 35 to 40 home run range that he was at before he became a Blue Jay. He struggled with health in his first season with the Jays, was on and off the field in his second season. Last year he was healthy, and it didn't translate to the bat they were hoping it would be. One of the biggest reasons why they went out and got Dalton Varshow, one of the biggest reasons they went out and got Kevin Kiermeyer was an attempt to keep George Springer out of center field and crossing their fingers that that would in turn translate to more production out of his bat, and it didn't. This is year four of George Springer's six-year contract with the Blue Jays, and they really need to start getting some return on investment out of this guy and I think that him getting in the cage and reinventing his swing a little bit becoming more power centric would be really good for this Blue Jays team maybe even get to the point where he is that cleanup hitter they need I mean I'm not saying don't go out and get a power bat they have to do that but you know maybe George Springer hits fifth this year instead of first and they figure out something for the leadoff spot. I think it's time George kind of just as a player uh, re-envisions what he's doing on the organization. And the dream is power is that reimagined George Springer. I love it. I love it. I love the resurgence. I love the Nelson Cruz, Joey Votto comparisons. Um, Like George can hit. We all know Springer has the power. Like he just, Again, this is a philosophical change across the organization. He his his contact rate increased so much last year, man. I just it didn't work. Scrap whatever that freaking plan was and let's I hate strikeouts, but I would far rather see George Springer strike out a bunch and hit 35 dingers than George Springer not strike out a bunch and and just be what he was in 2023. Yeah, I'm with you. Close your eyes and swing hard just in case you hit it, right? Yeah. Um, that's a great choice. That was your number three. My number three. Ooh, I had a couple, couple contenders here. Um, hmm. I really want to go off the mark here and say Kevin Biggio for the, almost the same reason that you like George Springer. Of like, yeah, we just saw it in the second half with Kevin, where all of a sudden there seemed to be power in his bat that. I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like he was kind of taking that new approach of, of like, I'm going to just fucking swing hard just in case. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Across the board, power was down for this team. I guess I'm just, I'm shocked because back in March, we were talking about this team having, 
how many 30 home run yeah, hitters? How many 30 home run hitters? Five, six, maybe seven guys that get hit 30, and not one did. Oh, did one. we ever jinx that it? one? Did even we... got close. Like, Vladdy had what 26? Like, 26 it was just was closest. Like, um, anyway, I think Danny had a, a 30 home run pace. If you extrapolate it to 162, he's never going to play 162 games. No catchers do. Um, and Brandon Belt, I think, was on a 29 home run pace if you gave him 162. Uh, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say Kevin Biggio is a 150 games at third wow. base for the Blue Jays next year. Wow. And is a not quite nominee for gold glove at the position. So he puts up such good defensive numbers that he doesn't get the vote, but people are mentioning him. I'm mentioning him. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Look, he, er, I mean, played third base, what, two years ago before we have Matt Chapman? Um, not full time, but was like, I think that was his primary spot when he was yep. in the lineup was third base. And it just looked like he was not cut out for third base, did not have the arm strength. Um, and I always felt sympathetic for Kevin. Uh, he was always a, a gadget player that always did what we asked of him to his own personal mm-hmm. detriment to help the team out. Um, but when he filled in at third base this season, he looked, it didn't feel like a downgrade for Matt Chapman defensively. It really ever. didn't, which was shocking. So for that reason, I guess I've, look, I've, I've turned this top three list into a bounce back Redemption list. A, yeah. yeah, like some sort of a best case scenario. But man, if I think part of me saying this too, because. I don't really want Matt Chapman back. Uh, yeah, buddy. Me too. I mean, it's so funny because we talked about Matt Chapman and what it would look like for the Jays to bring him back. And the amount of times I have in my Twitter mentions, just someone's like, this guy's ideal scenario is Matt Chapman for $25 million in one year. It's like, I mean, yeah, I would actually be just fine with that. Um, ideal depending on what you mean by the term ideal you know like realistically that is a good scenario that's something that i can actually see the blue jays doing i still think matt chapman is going to get a hundred and freaking 40 million dollars and you know like i still think Mm -hmm. he's going to be extremely overpaid to wherever he goes and i just hope it's not the blue jays yeah, I, th- I think he's year, gonna get a big deal. One year at a a beefy price, I'll take that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I guess in my dream scenario, where Kevin Biggio is our majority third baseman and filling in admirably, uh, he also has the bat protection of Juan Soto in the lineup. So you know, it is. Yes, the thing is great. Great transition, by the way. <laughs> you can't, you can't have, uh, you can't have a literal all-star team for all nine positions. No, right. You do need to make some sacrifices. You do need to 
have value guys who are overachieving. And I think, I mean, I think you've uh, hung your hat, planted your flag on David Schneider being the value guy. Yeah. For this team next year. And that's putting it on Cavan. I'm putting it on Cavan. Yeah. If we can get like reliable defense, above average defense out of him at third base. And I think I've seen enough at him again, offensively. He's a question mark. Defensively, I'm confident with him at third. And offensively, I mean, I've such a roller coaster ride with him because I was a believer in him and then I got off the bandwagon. And then there was definitely times last season where I was like, Gavin, you're, you figured yeah. out baseball. Good job, yeah. buddy. You know, like, so could Gavin Biggio hit 25 home runs from third base and. And just be a guy that is like a, a a top 15 third baseman in baseball. That's not. Absolutely not. not I ludicrous. do not see there any way that he hits 25 home runs. I'll give you 15 to 20. But Okay. Here's our final over under for uh, for mailbag. Who has more home runs in 2024 for the Blue Jays? David Schneider or Kevin Biggio? Love that. That's, that's a good one. Okay. Let's that talk Juan one. Soto. Okay. So. Juan Soto makes so much sense for every team in baseball. I mean, except the Padres, except for the Padres, <laughs> <laughs> except for San Diego. Listen, he's an elite talent. Uh, I'm not going to sit and act like this is unique to the Blue Jays to have a guy like Juan Soto be such a a, a prime target. But he really is the best fit for this Jays team outside of Shohei Otani. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the 2024 season. He's probably going to get $400 million on the open market. Remember, he did turn down $365 million over 12 years as an extension from the Nationals before they moved him to the Padres. The guy believes in himself, and I don't think there's any way he doesn't test free agency after turning down that kind of money lefty power bat one of the best eyes in baseball people have called him the ted williams of today time and time again and that is just about the highest praise you can give a dude again of course that helps anyone but damn that would be nice to see in the middle of this blue jays lineup so the real question here is for one year of juan soto can he become a Blue Jay without trading Ricky Tiedemann? That really is, in my opinion, the caveat that would be the deal breaker here. I don't think this front office is prepared to give up Ricky, left-handed, elite prospect that is probably going to make his major league debut sooner than later. I'm not saying he's going to start spring training, with this, or uh, come out of spring training as a member of this Blue Jays team for a few reasons. There is going to be some service time manipulation done here. Even if they do feel he's ready, it just makes sense to wait that first four weeks because you get a full extra year of service time. So if we do see Ricky, it's probably not till May. I just don't think there's any way that this front office would be into moving him. So how do you get Juan Soto out of San Diego? San Diego needs to shed salary. They also need a pitcher 
who can log innings, is going to be cheap, is going to be under control for a while, and has a high ceiling. Listen, I know Alec Manoa had one of the most historic face plants in Blue Jays history. I mean, this dude went from third in Cy Young voting in 2022 to a guy who didn't even finish the year on the team. But there's a lot of reasons why Alec Manoa regressed. And I think betting on him to find some happy medium between the two is a pretty good, pretty safe bet. So Alec Manoa is probably a dude who would need to be involved in this trade. You probably need another pitching prospect with solid upside, a Chad Dallas type friend of the show, Chad Dallas, Chetta, 22 years old, had an incredible season at triple uh, at, at double a winning the Toronto blue Jays minor league pitcher of the year award. He's going to probably start the season in triple a. He's going to be a nice depth piece. And again, he's young, 22 years old, a lot of upside on Chad Dallas, uh, Aralvis Martinez or Addison Barger. One of the two probably need to be included. A guy who is close to major league ready can play some of the infield positions that the Padres are going to need. My guess is that they're going to be pushing for Aralvis to be the guy and the Blue Jays are going to be pushing for it to be Barger. And then you probably see a guy like Santiago Espinal or even a Kevin Biggio included in that as well, a big leaguer who can provide cost efficiency for a team that needs cost efficiency. The risk here is obvious, right? One year. You get one year with Juan Soto. Doesn't mean you can't sign him at the end of that, but there's no way he doesn't go to free agency. Yeah. Damn, Juan Soto in the middle of this lineup would look sexy. Like, I know it's a lot to give up for one year, but. Yeah, that's a, that's a big trade. It's a, it's a steep price tag. Um, I think. I'm getting on the Boba Shett trade trade wagon again here. This isn't me saying I want to trade Boba Shett. But we talked on Mailbag about a three-team trade. Right? How that usually works. Padres, I don't think, would want Boba Shett. They're just painting themselves into the same financial pickle. Yes. Right? Um. But, okay, we talk about giving up a Relvis Martinez or Ricky Tiedemann, Alec Manoa, like just absolutely emptying the cupboards for one season of Juan Soto. I, I think I would rather give up fewer. Okay. If we were to go without Benoit, if we were to make the evaluation that our team is better off with Juan Soto, we can't. I there's no way we can have Juan Soto, Vlad Jr., and Bobachet all making nine figures on this team. Like we we True. we don't have it in the in the budget to give all three of those guys deals, and I don't want to rent Juan Soto for one season. Is my thing. 
So I think if we were to pivot away from Bo or Vlad, take your choice, who you've got more faith in to have a uh, a lengthy, long, prosperous long career, potential Hall of Fame career. You bet on that guy. You give that guy a big deal. And then you ship the other guy for prospects that then help replenish the cupboard or get prospects that then we could go after uh, a Juan Soto for, right? Like, it's a big shift in the the build of this team. But then at least yeah. I feel like we could do, because I've been telling myself this for seven years now, that we could afford two mega deal contracts. Mm-hmm. For Bo and Vlad. So if you replace, I'm just going to say Vlad because Bo has been the yeah, the trade discussion. So let's just say we're going to get rid of Vlad, although it would be a sell low kind of a year. But yeah, I could see a situation where we trade away Vlad, we get three or four top prospects in return. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann or Elvis Martinez level prospects in return for Vlad. And then that gives us the flexibility to trade away uh, Ricky Tiedemann and Arelvis Martinez as part of a package for Juan Soto. And then the team looks like whatever it is with Bo Bichette and Juan Soto. And then maybe we don't have Ricky Tiedemann, but maybe we got whoever the Ricky Tiedemann is on the Cincinnati Reds. Right. No, it's going to be interesting to see how this front office deals with this off season, because I think there is the possibility of some major changes. There's also the possibility that this is not a lot of changes, but we'll see how things play. I know that Juan Soto is one of the elite players in baseball. He might be probably the most elite of anyone on this Jays team, which would mean a shift in the way the front office thinks and who they feel should be signed. The thing with Juan Soto is I believe the Blue Jays probably make a push for him in free agency no matter what happens in 2024. I mean, he is a dude who's going to be 25 years old, and five-tool Hall of Fame-like players don't come along very often. We've talked about this with Shohei and the unicorn budget, and I think Juan Soto, although not quite in that same category, is a guy that you wouldn't be doing your due diligence as a front office if you're not making a pitch. I'm with you. Um, would you rather, just as far as offseason moves go, would you rather Ross Atkins jumps in early and overpays to get somebody. I mean, in terms of like trades, like we had to whatever or misses out. Like, would you, would you rather a, a scenario where he, he goes in and he gets a, a Juan Soto or whoever, right? And then two months from now, we're going like, holy shit, we gave up all that guy, all that for for this. And and then turns out the the market for him was was way less and we, we shouldn't have had to give up that. Like, 
Do you see what I'm saying with this? Would you rather we overspend yeah, this offseason or underspend and miss I'd, out and stand back? I think I'd rather I think I'd rather them overspend in a trade because if Toronto Blue Jays fans have proven anything, it's that they deal with uh, a lopsided trade really well. They're just very very classily. You'll never see anyone lose their mind over it and uh completely be ready to burn down the entire franchise. So, yeah, <laughs> overpay, you know? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I could handle Another Dalton Var show type scenario just with uh the comments section. So I'm picking missing out, I guess, if these are our two options. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um okay, yeah. let's move on. Uh we've only got a couple more to deal with here. I know we were gonna talk Tyler Glass now and the fact that maybe he is on the move from the Rays, but we're going to push that to MLB Mondays here just because we're short on time. Did want to quickly bring up John Gibbons. Back in Major League Baseball, of course, he was drafted and came up with the Mets. He caught Dwight Gooden back in the day, the G-Men, they called him. And so he's returning to where his Major League career started, which is the New York Mets. Of course, he was the manager at the helm of the Toronto Blue Jays during their ALCS runs in 2015 and 2016. Friend of the show, really good dude, and just a wonderful baseball storyteller one of the best out there love the gibby show um but on the upside with him returning to the mets that's one less podcast on the charts that is above us right buddy <laughs> one last blue jays podcast. maybe he'll get he, he'll keep podcasting just from uh mets land that would actually be so cool if he continued to podcast and just like became the best mets podcast in baseball <laughs> be great be great so a big congrats to John Gibbons. Uh, let's end on American Thanksgiving. So a tip of the hat and a happy American Thanksgiving weekend to all of our American viewers. I saw a post about does mac and cheese belong on the Thanksgiving dinner table? Listen, I know in Canada, it's not really a staple dish in the Thanksgiving world i'm a huge mac and cheese guy i always have room for mac and cheese and if right. if if we got to start eliminating things on the thanksgiving dinner table you know maybe the rolls let's we can do without the rolls put them in the kitchen go get your roll from the kitchen there needs to be spot for the mac and cheese <laughs> all right so literal on the table all right i see the angle you're taking here uh mac and cheese are we talking like Elbow macaroni with a cheese sauce mixed in? Or are we talking craft dinner? Oh, we're talking we're talking like homemade mac and cheese. Oh, okay. Like okay. getting it in okay. there, getting it done. Okay. All right. I'll I'll cut you some slack there. Then I was gonna give you a little shit for having craft dinner at your Thanksgiving. <laughs> um although I would be lying if I said I didn't have uh craft dinner at a Christmas meal or two of mine in my life. Um I am new to the world of of uh, sweet potatoes with marshmallows. Oh, you ever had this? Yes, I have. Uh, last Thanksgiving, we had a friend uh, friendsgiving, right? We had friends over because all of our families away from here. Um, and I've it's never been a recipe that's ever been 
brought out in my uh, in my lifetime. And then, uh, yeah, discovered it for the first time last Thanksgiving, and I was blown away by how good it was. So it is it is a tasty treat. It is an treat, odd is sure. treat. Um, it is odd, but it works well. It works well. It's it's good. Yeah. It's it's good. Uh, yeah. This this, okay. this Thanksgiving, I got to have dark turkey meat for the first time ever. Not ever, but I prefer the white meat. And okay. there was none left by the time I got to the the turkey tray. So we didn't get a big enough turkey, and all I could have was was dark meat. So I felt like it wasn't so bad. It was all right. It was. <laughs> You're like, I would have preferred white meat. <laughs> For sure, I would have preferred white meat. Anybody who's yeah. like, oh, dark meat's better, it's mm, juicier and better flavor. Like you're crazy. Yeah. I'm eating liver over here. This is disgusting. Yeah. yeah, it's like my grandma. She's like, oh, the turkey next, the best part of the turkey. I'm like, grandma, oh, get okay, up. grandma. Yeah, stop, it stop it. Stop. <laughs> Go back to your home. All right, we're gonna wrap it up there. Happy Thanksgiving to all the Americans watching. Take care of yourselves. Thank you to the grounds crew. Feel free to drop that comment there. Over under Davis Schneider, Kevin Biggio, who's gonna have the most home runs? A lot of them. All the best, everybody. We'll see you Tuesday for Mailbag. Quick reminder, too, we are going to be talking with Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet on Tuesday, so that should be out hopefully on Wednesday. We'll probably release the Alan Rodon uh, interview we did. He's one of the top Blue Jays prospects in their system and a very likely guy to maybe even make the team out of spring training. So we're going to release that probably Monday, sometime next week anyways. All the best. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>